RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Thursday morning on Reality Check Radio is Money Talks with Farzan Arani, who's a very popular money talker here on RCR. Farzan, good to catch up with you again. We're about to, to lay out some dots and maybe join them. So good to have you on again. Hope you're well. Yeah, good morning to you, Paul, and the listeners. Uh, thanks for having me once again. Let's start with some local news. I couldn't help but uh, catch the story. I think it was a National Party election policy, which went along the lines of of um, people uh, able to access their KiwiSaver accounts to pay for bonds for, what, rental accommodation, basically. Um, those bonds can run into the thousands. And, of course, it's a it's tight um, uh, cost of living crisis going on at the moment. Does that make any sense, that policy? Well, to me, it doesn't, because the whole point of Kiwi Saver is saving for your retirement. Now, the whole thing about retirement savings has become a joke, uh, if you're being honest, because most of this, as I mentioned, when debt around the world collapses, most of, most people are going to lose their retirement savings. But no, it doesn't make sense, because if you have to dig at the bottom of the barrel or whatever you, the, that term is, the analogy is, if people can't afford two, $3,000 for the bond payments and they have to dip into their retirement savings, it just doesn't make sense. The government's not trying to solve the problem. It's just trying to mask um, the signs of a deteriorating economy where people can't even afford a simple bond. And yeah, well, that's a sign of the times we're in. To be I quite mean, honest, maybe Paul. bonds are too expensive anyway. Maybe landlords will have to take less for a bond. And doing, is there any research to show that those bonds are, you know, in a in a majority of cases, uh, even necessary? I mean, people do fundamentally look after the properties they they rent, except for some who are out of control. So I imagine those bonds are really never accessed to anywhere the level paid in. Right. Um, yes and no, but it's a slippery slope, mate, because the government's just, well, the tax policies and everything we've mentioned in the last few weeks is they've encouraged speculation on property. So all these people who have become landlords of two, three, four properties, you can't expect them to take a loss if the property is damaged. And let's be honest, properties do get damaged. The other thing, to put a different spin on it, let's say, for example, the bond was $3,000. And in today's world, if the person, if the tenant stayed in there for two or three years, and if we are going into inflation or hyperinflation, what is that bond worth $3,000 going to be anyways? It's going to be worth nothing. Um, the other thing is, if you take that $3,000 out of Kiwi Saver, where it could have grown, assuming it could have grown and it's invested in the right place, that 3000 could have become 3500 whereas if you take it out of the kiwi saver and you put it as a bond it just stays at 3000 so not only yeah. is the landlord losing the tenants losing out as well and again there's a big assumption at the back end of this that it was invested in the right kiwi saver fund and it wasn't losing money in kiwi saver right okay it seems to be possibly a a policy to please um, we could consider the average national voter is is or would like to be a landlord or is a landlord. So um, they would like that policy, wouldn't they? Because it means that people could afford their bonds, potentially. 
Yes, it's it's it's, it's um, keeping their electorate happy because uh, they would be mostly the homeowners. But again, there's no good guy or bad guy here as in a New Zealand citizen. It's just that every government has a tax incentive or whatever the carrot or the stick is. And the citizen then accordingly goes depending on their means to go in there. The bigger thing, uh, Paul, in there is not just about the bonds. It's funny because um, I was looking at, because the New Zealand government also allows you to withdraw funds uh, to put in as a deposit for your first home purchase. And that is something that Australia followed on after that uh, during COVID as well. Uh, for financial difficulty or for buying your first house because they said, oh, this is your retirement savings anyway. It's your savings, so use it for a deposit. It defeats the purpose of it being a retirement saving because come 60, 65, you're going to have no funds and the government knows there's inflation, right? So if you had 100000 in savings, it's only going to be worth about $30,000 by the time you retire. So that's the first thing. You've got to keep up with inflation. But I was looking at some numbers where... As we explained, when interest rates were dropped during COVID by the Reserve Bank, and there was a lot of money flushing around in the system, there was $1.6 billion in New Zealand alone withdrawn. This is as of the June 2021 figures that they've given out there. People withdrew $1.6 billion from the Kiwi Saver to use as a deposit for a house. Now we understood why also house prices went up so much, because people just withdrew funds from their Kiwi saver to put on as a deposit. And then the yeah. remaining 80%, they went to the, the banks, which we've also discussed what happened during COVID. But look at these numbers, right? June 2021, 1.6 billion was withdrawn from Kiwi saver funds. And the June 2022 number, 1.2 billion was withdrawn. So who are the suckers? Let's be honest. Who are the suckers who are buying houses in the last two or three years? Most of them have been the first home buyers. And not only are they going to get wiped out the other end when house prices have already started going backwards, so they're negative equity. Now they've lost that 20% deposit also, which was otherwise healthily sitting in their Kiwi saver, assuming again that the Kiwi saver was growing and invested wisely. They're losing on both ends. Can you see the picture? Because yeah, I can. Just, I want to buy a house. I want to buy a house. I'll use my Kiwi saver because it's just sitting there. So now they're poorer for retirement. They're going to lose the house that they paid a deposit on because now they're in negative equity as well. It's always the suckers who get sucked in at the it's last. It's the time. worst of all worlds is what you're describing there. The worst of all worlds. Man. Always, always, always. Yeah. When a cycle ends, and this is, as we explained, a 40-year interest rate cycle, an 80-year debt cycle, there's a lot of suckers who are going to get sucked in at the last minute thinking they're doing the right thing, and then they'll be crying with their hands uh, face in the hands at the other end. Unfortunately, we're not here to educate everyone. People have to start educating themselves. People, because uh, you've just reminded me, talking about those, um, uh, you know, $1.6, $1.2 billion amounts and how money was being thrown around. I'll, I'll get your reaction to this because this seems to be absolutely insane spending. There's $500 million worth of rat tests unused. Half a billion dollars in bloody rat tests. What insane moron would spend the nation's money to that level on rat tests? You've really got to question the competence of these people, don't you? Absolutely. When it ain't your money, you don't care, Paul. Is it your hard-earned money? No, it's not. So the governments always do this. The government, the government doesn't do anything to add value to a nation. 
it's it's like a leech. It's a leech on society. It taxes you, and then it spends money as it sees fit to win votes. That's how you've got to see politics, right? Politics is they're not there to help you. Doesn't matter which country or what government, they're not there to help you. Well, so if uh, it's just free money flying around, of course they spent all of that on rat tests. And it's not just this example. This rat test was I think I'd read just brushed up on this article that you might be talking about. But it's private employers who said we will order our own rat test. The government said, no, 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 we'll spend the money because it's it ain't their money. It just they just tax us. But there was something in the UK where it's not just the rat test. I think the UK or one of the other countries in Europe had ordered so many of these uh, injections. Let's just call it injections. Yeah, that they had to throw them away by the time the expiry date came around. Now they assumed that the citizenry would keep taking these injections, and I think in Australia also they had different states have different things, but they assumed every person to take four or five of these injections, and they pre-ordered them. Who benefited? Pfizer, Moderna, whoever these companies were, and something I'll highlight as I mentioned in the past, BlackRock share price is dropping because people are waking up to the fact, but. Try going on to Google and try looking at the share price of Moderna and Pfizer over the last two years and see what's happened to their share price, right? You'll get well, the picture. When the government's what, not supporting buying these vaccines and all of that. So it's going down. The share price. Yeah. But, you know, um, that sort of level of spending, is, is it, it's it's the next level on incompetence because, you know, you could have, you could have paid the, doubled the um, pharmac um, capability, which means a lot of people who can't get medication now that other folk in comparable countries can get, would have, you know, had that medication. Um, people who suffer cystic fibrosis would have essentially had a cure without having to have a lung transplant. Who are these freaking morons? They are morons. You said it. They, they they're not good at any businesses they they haven't run uh productive businesses or um, they, they, as i told you there was a mentor of mine in a uh when i used to work at one of the banks prominent banks in new zealand and i said to her what's going on and this is when i was a, a lot younger she said politics will generally get uh people who are not good at doing much other stuff uh otherwise they'd be running successful companies right yeah um and narcissists so they want to control other people's lives. And these are the kind of people politics attracts. So the whole point is, if you're productive, you just go out and you think you'd do well for yourself. You'd earn a lot more. But these are the people who are good at spending other people's money. And it is other people's money. It is our money. We get taxed. We don't have a say in what it is. And the government just goes around spending stupid stuff, as I said. And this is the end of an era as well. So they'll waste a lot of money. They'll have... Uh, consultants for this and they'll have consultants for that. How many times can you have a consultancy or whether a bridge can be built next to the Harbour Bridge or not? Yeah. The same thing goes around in circles and circles and circles, but yeah. it's a waste of money because they know the system's coming to its natural transitional end. So the inner cronies are the ones who make the money. Get it people while it's like going. Kind of going to get it. And, yeah. and the sick people will die, as you said, because the money could have been used in more productive purposes. Way more. Way more. That would have relieved a lot of um, extreme negative equity if you really wanted to do do something with it. We could talk about that um, a lot, but it just tells me that if 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 the government's coming at you for taxes, right back at you, government. If you're going to spend the money like that, you don't deserve to have my money. You no. you really don't. But anyway, 
What am and I on the do? weekend, I came across uh, on the weekend, I came across one saying which said, "Politics is a game of perception, not policy. It's just perception. They're going to make you perceive that something else is happening compared to just take the blame themselves, right?" And I've and I've mentioned to some of my friends, they're like, "Oh, the news about this whole vaccine and what the governments did wrong is going to come out." I said, "It's already coming out for people who want to see or know where to look for." But you don't expect a government to ever come and say we did something wrong. No, They'll no say, way. "Oh, it's no because way. of this, or it's because of that, or it's because of this." The government didn't have all the information. Never... We didn't have all the information. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had all the information because people like you and I had all the information. Yeah, that's why we how never went near it. Yeah. So how can a government not have that information? But people just need to realize the next six eight years, the governments are going to become more authoritarian. Because when they start losing power, comes the power grab. So they're going to push back further and further, um, and that's when the citizenry cracks and people just turn against their government. So there was another thing, interesting thing I read about. Uh, I don't know if you come across, but in Israel, so this has happened in other parts. Uh, we seeing riots in France. Yeah, depending on what people want to see, but in Israel also, I think there's some military the backup. Of, I think the fighter pilot backups, as you have reservists and other oh, reservists, yeah, yeah, um, and they've come out and openly about three hundred of these pilots have said we're not going to uh, turn off for work um, uh, if uh, the government goes ahead with the policy. Now, what is this policy? Um, the Israeli Prime Minister is trying to sign uh, some legislation where he overrides the Supreme Court of Israel. So the whole point is, these governments, these prime ministers, these presidents will now want to just control everything. In fact, as I mentioned, the November 2024 election in the U.S., they want war so they can actually cancel elections. Maybe. Maybe you don't need elections during wartime, right? Think about that. But but this is where... Well, well in Ukraine, we... they've said no elections until the war's over and they've banned all the political parties. So, yeah, that, that does happen. Could it's happening anyway. in Ukraine as well, right? So our elections, I don't know, I, I don't pay attention, if I'm being honest. I, I've never bothered voting because I know it just doesn't make any sense. It's just a mimic. Uh, it's, a, it's a game that they play with us. So it's, it's a democracy. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think it was Socrates who's way famous saying, or somebody else said, it doesn't matter who votes. It's It matters who counts the votes. Yeah, I think and, that was Socrates, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's 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 just a it's a we we've been told we're living in a democracy. Let's be honest. The last two or three years have made it pretty obvious we don't because even if the citizens say we don't want this, it still goes ahead in some diluted form, uh, whether it's a, a fiscal policy, a monetary policy, or a stupid policy from the government where they order five hundred million rat tests, as you said, because it's just a waste of money. They'll do what they want to do behind the scenes. And there's some uh, people on the gravy train on the other end, right? Imagine the companies that sold these to the well, government. Well, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Huge amount of uh, money to be made there, thanks to the poor old taxpayer. We'll get on to the poor old taxpayer in just a moment again. But uh, just uh, talking about what you mentioned there with Israel, yeah, Benjamin Netanyahu is, I think, the prime minister engaged yeah. in that. But here's the point, and much the same as France, though, you know, maybe different... Uh, Things are happening behind the scenes there. But hardly any reporting of those stories here. And I think the average Kiwi on mainstream media would have been unaware. They might have heard that there was a little something going on in France, but there's always something going on in France. They didn't realize the scale of it. 
um, and this thing in Israel where you've got reservist Air Force pilots basically rebelling against the civilian government, if if what they're saying there is, is what they said, and I'm sure they did. But there's no reporting of it here. Now, is that, do you think, to minimise any joining of the dots here by people? Like, wait, wait on, that's happening there? Wait on, that's happening. I wonder what's happening here. There could be a lot more happening here that we're not aware of, but if people just go to the usual websites to read their news, that's exactly what they're going to get. And why would they want us to know this is happening? Because then the average person goes, see, it's happening everywhere, and citizens are waking up and pushing back against uh, governments, right? But the simple thing is this happened during COVID as well. I had, um, well, there were protests in New Zealand and Australia, and how much coverage did that get? It didn't. People overseas didn't know that countries like New Zealand, Australia, even the Canadian truckers. Yeah. How much of that information was out in the media? It wasn't really. And even if it was, the Canadian truckers were the bad guys. Yeah, that's how it was framed. Yeah, supposedly they lived in a democracy, but they have no right to even say no or protest, which is what a democracy is, right? So it's very convenient for the politicians to say we're a democracy when we want to be. And we're not a democracy when we don't want to be. So let's be honest. Even I was listening to something else on RCR itself, where the person was saying, do you remember the time when our prime minister used to come on the news every day at one o'clock? And it was like half an hour and an hour. Uh, I used to work for an organization at the time and I'd call my boss and my boss would say, hey, it's time of the announcement. I'm like, what difference does that make? And he was glued to the TV screen every day at that time. These are people who are brainwashed. What yeah, they're, they're hypnotized. Yeah. They are hypnotized and they're brainwashed. And what, what difference is he going to say? But then we call ourselves a democracy. But this is exactly what a communist leader does. He's the person who comes on top and everyone in the country has to pay attention to what this one person says. And yeah. if you remember, parliament was, um, I don't know what the technical word is, but parliament was adjourned, so to speak. So there was only one person or two or three handful of people making decisions about what the whole country should do. There was no, let's vote on it, ifs and buts, and what are the consequences of this? No, no, no. Every day we were told on television where the country is going or what red light, green light, orange light system, and anyone can make up any rules. I don't know about others, but I'm not happy if somebody tells me where I can go, what I can do, what I can eat. Never, never Never. happy with that. And we're in supposed fact, to be a democracy. It's a joke. I'd be throwing if I was if I was watching. I'd be throwing stuff at the TV. Actually, I'd never switch it on, mate. I couldn't. No, well, I, neither did I. I couldn't Maybe get less what you said. I just got on with my day. But it's so sad that people saw that as kind of their entertainment in a way for the day. It was their sort of collective experience. Everybody, you know, I guess they they talk later. They could recount it and. And uh, and have a shared experience. Maybe there, there's something in that, that shared experience, even though it's a terrible experience. Who knows? But as you said, it was hypnosis, right? So if they're all hypnotized. And what is that uh, term again? The mass psychosis or something? The mass, mass psychosis, yeah. Yeah. So the whole point is you feel as part of a group. You're doing it all together. These people would be sitting as an entire family around the television screen to see what gospel was being said yeah, that day from the and high how many priestess. people had died and infected. And if you're only looking at that, that is exactly your world. But I just got on with life and I was 
doing my research on other stuff and writing my credit papers and doing all of that because I couldn't care less what she had to say. Oh, uh, the cases went from 10,000 to 12,000. Woohoo. And the next day it went to 14,000. How does that impact my life? It doesn't. But these people were psychologically being abused. This is the word we need to be using. They were psychologically being abused and fear was being used to make them think that if the government did not have control of this, they would die or their lives would go yeah. Yeah. away. But this is the thing, man. It's just what it is. It's just, I hope people can see through it now, but most people have just gone, oh, life's gone back to normal. Some people who have lost family members through these injections would have realized who was, what was really happening. Yeah, yeah. Some people, nothing's happened, right? And that's that, that's here to work through the system, believe me. Um, let's get on to um, the latest attack on the citizenry or the taxpayer, because it's how I see it. And that is all this talk of um, taxing windfall profits. I've heard the banks being mentioned. Obviously, there are wealthy people, um, you know, um, maybe they could pay more tax, but businesses like banks paying more tax uh, and and who gets the benefit of that because they're only making if you want to call them windfall profits windfall profits because of the business activity they're involved with so if the government taxes them at a higher rate maybe an extra 2 or 3% on what they already pay i mean that's our money still taken away from us not given back in any way given to the government to paper over the terrible mistakes 500 million on the rat test is an example that they've made so basically we're being we're being rogered again aren't yes we? and as i said politics is a game of perception not policy so the perception is and as house prices <clears throat> sorry as house prices start dropping as i've said what are, what's everyone saying is the bad banks they made such big profits so what has the government got to do is divert attention to look, 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 it was the bank's fault. The banks did this and they made such big profits. Let's be honest. Banks have always been making massive profits. And in week two or three, we've already explained why, because the money doesn't exist, mate. So if you get to charge the cream on top, interest on money that doesn't exist, everything is cream on top, less your operating expenses. So it is always a very profitable business, banking. Now, windfall profits, because during COVID, the Reserve Bank dropped interest rates to close to zero. Now, if you're paying nothing for the money you're getting and the government itself says, hey, you can give people money at really cheap interest rates. In fact, I think they were giving uh, interest-free loans to some small businesses as well. And it was guaranteed by the government, if you remember, the banks could give loans to businesses and it was guaranteed by the bank uh, government, which is, again, the taxpayer. But the yeah. windfall profit tax, they have to show that, look, we're doing something where we're going to tax the excessive profits the banks are making. Now, forget, I would just ask, that, I would just ask our listeners to just think, forget it's a bank. Just think it's a business. Let's say you're a cafe <clears throat> and you knew there was a shortfall in coffee beans coming. So you bought, co or they were going to get more expensive. So if you bought coffee beans before the fact, six months or three months before the fact at a cheaper rate, because you knew they were going to get more expensive, and now you are making more profit than your competitors, is it okay for the government to come in and say, oh, you made a bigger profit than these other guys, so we're going to tax you more? No, so you're taxing a business that has been smart enough to 
be profitable and reduce their expenses. And you're making them sound like they're the bad guys for making a bigger profit. This is the whole point of being a capitalist society and a democracy and not flattening the structure. But these are signs of the times we're going towards socialism and communism, where they will first target the very rich and say, look, look, the rich guys are the bad guys. They have so much money. People have like 20 houses or these people have 5 million in their bank accounts. So the first easiest target is the banks. As I've told people, don't think the banks is only the bad guys because the banks are obviously supposed to help growth in the economy. But in the last 20 years, it's all gone towards unproductive assets. Instead of helping businesses grow, they've just been helping people flip houses because that was the easiest thing to do because they only went up in value and the new interest rates only had to keep coming down. But now that the tide has turned, they're going to make it sound like the banks are the bad guys, which, yeah, they, they, they have to take blame for what they've done in the economy. But the easiest target is the bank, right? Especially since they're making billions in profit. Let's call it a windfall tax on the profit. Now, I would also say there's a better way of doing this. Firstly, so if they don't make a profit next year, will the government give them the money back? That's one thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing, as you said, is even if it's a windfall profit, if they tax the bank, the bank will just char- pass those costs on to the depositors or the loan guys. You are not going in to see the book of the bank to see what their margin on the loan that they're giving you is. So indirectly, it's the taxpayer paying. But it's all a show, a game of perception, as I said. Okay. I, I wonder what other sectors, um, I mean, banking's an obvious one because people always complain about the profits of the banks and they always seem to be you know, ripping people off etc. What are the other areas? Um, I, I know overseas, there's been accusations that energy suppliers uh, have been gouging. I suppose we could look out for uh, targeting of that sector here. Yeah. Well. yeah. So just, just um, I, I forgot to mention this. So if you think about the countries that I mentioned last time, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, right? Housing market was really overpriced. And now as house prices go down, they'll blame the banks. In Canada alone, They've already launched this thing called the Canadian Recovery Dividend. That's the name they gave it. Recovery Dividend. Recovery Dividend. So what's the Recovery Dividend? Government needs to recover. And they've permanently increased the income tax rate on banks from 15 to 18%. So the government can come in and just change whatever. They said, oh, banks, you made too much of a profit. And no one's going to argue. No one's going to complain too much, right? Well, you can't argue because they're all in bed together, right? We, we, we already discussed this. The government wants the banks to lend more into the economy. So we get more inflation. So they get more GST and taxes. But now the perception is, look, the government really cares. We're taxing the banks more. And we're taking it off their abnormal profits, the windfall profit. And most people will just just swallow these down as yes and, and call it a recovery dividend. They call it a recovery from the mess that you made in the first that place. That they made, yes. It's By shutting down the global economy. So uh, it is look. all lockstep. You've got to understand what's happening in these countries. And in Europe, it's it's funny you mentioned the other sectors, because so we saw during the Ukraine war, well, it's still going on, but the proxy war, Ukraine, Russia, and last year there was talk when the European winter was around that will Europe survive 
this harsh winter and all that stuff. They did survive last time. Let's see what happens this year. It was a mild winter, though. I think it was a it was mild. a mild winter, yeah. and that's what they're saying. But the funny thing is, so they targeted energy companies. So again, an energy company has to make money by having energy in advance to make sure their citizenry has gas and can cook and heat their homes. But because they had done this, the smart the smart contracts and stuff that go on behind the scenes where they hedge in advance. So Dutch energy has been taxed at 33% extra. And wow. in Czechos, uh, the Czech Republic, there's an extra 60%. So again, governments are just going to grab everything they can, man, because governments are going broke. Um, they are going to try and get as much tax as they can. And at some stage, right now, when they're taxing the energy companies, the normal um, European citizens would be going, oh, yeah, it's great. They told us that energy was, my electricity bill was so high and they made such massive profit. So, yes, tax them 60%. But the government, again, created that problem there. Yeah, but that doesn't lower your energy price. No, it doesn't make any difference to anything. What they could have instead done, instead of the government taking 60%, they could have said next year, every electricity consumer gets this much of the electricity bill, right? So instead of the government taking, putting their hands in the pocket of the energy company, they could have forced some legislation where the energy company could have returned those while the next year's electricity bills. It's it's yeah. the same thing as I'm saying with the banks out here, where they're talking about, they're putting it back into a perception, let's tax the New Zealand banks because they made such big profits. Hey, all they could do is just increase the reserve requirements. So the banks don't keep helping the flipping houses yeah. and all of that. Yeah, yeah. The government just right. comes in and will take tax. They'll say, see, those are the bad guys. Why don't, why, why would you mind if the government tax the bad guys? They, those are the bad guys. Just remember, once a tax comes in and a certain thing is set into people's perception, the next thing, where do they stop? Do they come for you then, Paul? Well, they're sort of coming for, um, well, people like me and you because, uh, there's a huge clawback going on out there in the community of money paid out to cover wages and operation for businesses during COVID. And it, it seems apparent that the criteria that was um, stated by Inland Revenue at the time was ambiguous and loose in its description. So it, it a lot of people were kind of fooled into taking money, which is now being clawed back, and some of them have significant debts. So that's happening, and that tells you a lot of what you need to know. They knew in advance, probably, I'm, I'm picking, that they would have to claw back money because they knew how tight it was. And I think that they probably purposefully, I don't buy incompetence, purposefully made, made the criteria ambiguous so there would be wiggle room to claw it back later. So that's exactly. already happening to many people. I've talked to a few already on this radio station out there, and it's really it's really bumming them out. It's it, it's putting them in a terrible uh, frame of mind. But I'm picking that they knew this would happen, and this is what they anticipated, and now they're going about it big scale. So it's kind of happening already, let me put it that way. It is, it is, mate. But the whole thing is it, it is not incompetence, as we said about the COVID as well. They know what they're doing. They just have to pretend to be idiots. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. They are actually idiots. Let's be honest, they are idiots <laughs> because I wouldn't trust them with running my business successfully, no. but they are idiots. And that's why they're in the place of being in politics 
because they get orders from above, whoever the power is above, to say exactly what is to be done. And because they're idiots, they can't see through the effect of what's going to happen two or three years down the track. That is exactly what you need, right? You need a puppet or an idiot to run policy. I'm not calling anyone an idiot. Hopefully people can understand what I'm trying to say. But if I tell you, Paul, just do this, and if you can't see the after effects of that two or three years down the track, then you're going to go ahead and do it because you think you're doing the right thing by... So some of them are just outright stupid and some yep. of them are just put in places because they can't think through the process. But we've been writing I, tax law for decades, hundreds of years. It's a very well-known thing. And to then be so loose, I'm just using the example I gave just before, loose in, in the criteria where you know that people are going to be desperately seeking that money, I, I just can't see how that could be a mistake. No, there's not. And as I said, you, you said it, it's on purpose because what was the whole point of COVID and shutting down the whole global economy for a year, year and a half to stop the virus? Did the virus stop? No, but they still kept shutting us down. There was a first wave and a second wave and a third wave. Like we went surfing or some some rubbish like that, right? That's what they called it. But the whole point is, mate, the, 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 you've got to shut down small business globally in Western democracies. How else do you get a UBI uh, and right. a CBDC? Because the yeah. economy is 70 or 80% run on small business. It's and always, this is, these so are the businesses being affected by what I'm describing. It's small business. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So the ones who did not die of then are now slowly, eventually going to die off with the other brain-dead policies that they bring in, right? The New Zealand dollar going down, which means petrol and diesel will get more expensive, or you're not allowed to, because of climate change, You farmers have to stop doing stuff. So they're gradually killing the small businesses. Why did small cafes have to shut down, but you could go do Amazon, which was just sitting at home safe, but the Walmarts were allowed to stay open or the big, big places were allowed to stay open, but the small guy was shut down. This is all lockstep. This is all on purpose. Nothing of no, nothing of this makes sense if you think through it clearly. Because yep. if you're in a big Walmart, there's more people getting together there, mask or no mask, than a small cafe where there might be five or ten patrons. So none of it made sense. But the average yeah. person is in fear and doesn't think through. And that's what I said. These guys are idiots they were told just shut it down now if i'm a prime minister if this is my own company i'm like would i want to shut this down would i want to shut down my whole economy and now new zealand was shut down are we recovering are our tourist numbers coming back there's a little bit of what they call revenge travel so people are traveling because they just haven't they've been locked up uh, for two or three years but the tourism numbers have never returned student numbers are not returning um what happens it's a slow steady death of an economy yeah. and yeah. they're making more and more difficult for small businesses to recover how many small businesses do you see coming back in fact in america the number of uh, businesses going bust and filing for bankruptcy has increased i'd love to maybe next before next week's thing i'll try and see if i can get some data on new zealand let's do that that's a like that. that's a great idea Let's yeah, do that. because we want to see what's happening in the economy. But this is why. Why wouldn't they even share some number like that? I have to dig so much deeper just to find basic information which should be out there if they're really talking about it. But the other thing, as I said, is remember they're going to lie to you. They've lied to us that our economy is doing really well. There's so many jobs. And because of inflation, they're increasing interest rates. The job numbers are a lie. And then, especially in America, to keep confidence up, they're saying the economy is going so well there's so many jobs for every person who's looking for a job 
that number is released and two months later, then the government agency goes and turns that number down saying, oh, sorry, we got that wrong. Now, if it's already passed two months back, you most people aren't paying attention to it. But when the data release happens, people are paying attention to that. And that's what I'm saying. Do not read the information they give you because the information is given to you at that time. So you don't think much of anything. Yeah, the museum economy is actually doing quite well. And then they'll go and change the data after the fact, saying, oh, we did these little seasonal adjustments in our economic data. And because of that, this is what really happened in the economy. Now, who's gone back and looked at that data after the fact? No, they haven't, because they're now looking at the next quarter's data and they're anticipating that. And I can tell you now, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand also kind of paused the interest rate decision, which is just following the American decision. New Zealand Reserve Bank seems to be doing a lot of that. Um, there are more interest rate rises coming. In fact, the Westpac economist has just come out and said he sees one straight away in the next month. Uh, whereas one of the other banks, I don't remember which one, their economist has said uh, before the end of the year, there'll be another interest rate rise. I can tell people now inflation is on a pause. It's going crazy. It's going to go crazy uh, as war escalates and all of this stuff starts getting more and more expensive. So please be on the lookout for what is happening really in the economy and not what you read on in the newspapers. Um, another thing, and we could probably end on this, um, we reported it a few weeks ago in our international news in the morning, and I think it was the one of the IMF women representatives laying out a kind of vision for um, central bank digital currencies. And I think the very relevant thing that was said, and I know you want to comment on this, was that there would there would have to be interoperability, which means it would have to work globally across all countries and jurisdictions and have a like a standard delivery, basically no matter where you are, which means all the fears of control and um, manipulation through CBDC and, um, you know, sort of like this global monetary system can be applied or they're thinking it's true. They're going to apply it globally. What have you got to say about that? And I think others have said similar things to there's IMF and there's uh, well, there's the Bank for International Settlements, I believe. Um, you know, uh, uh, there's been a lot of talk. What do you say about that? Yeah, that's absolutely right, man. So when people think CBDCs, they just think, well, initially the talk is it will have an E-New Zealand dollar, E-Australian dollar, E-Rupee, all that kind of stuff. But what you've got to understand is they want to get rid of all borders. So uh, there's already an international CBDC in the works. And it was the BIS, which is the Bank for International Settlements, um, that actually come out. And it's uh, they've recently published a paper, and it's called Blueprint for the Future Monetary System. And they say, improving the old, enabling the new. And what they want is a central bank digital currency, but a global one. But the simple just maybe we'll talk about this in detail a little bit next week. But what they want to do is they want to tokenize everything, right? So let's say you own a car and it's worth 40000 And let's say um, it's 10 bucks a token. So your car has 4,000 tokens. Your house could be $4 million and it would be 400,000 tokens. Now, what you can do with tokens is then I can sell you my house and use a CBDC and everything's on an international online ledger. So if you remember back in the days, people used to have paper titles for their properties. And now it's all electronic and everything electronically changes ownership and all that kind of stuff. So we've been in this process for a long time. 
they knew what was going on, but they're going to tokenize all assets in their cloud environment. And then they can, they'll put certain rules around it of what your asset can be used for. So let's say, for example, Paul, you might want to sell me your house, but you've been naughty now. You can't sell your house. You can't even liquidate that asset because the token's on their ledger. And obviously they want to make it all sound like they're making this all easy for us. But now you might be able to, remember people were already in a lot of debt, but you might now say, I'll give this bank or this finance company 30 tokens of my house. And now everyone has a claim on your house because you're using that security to borrow more money. First, you could just go to your bank and say, this was my equity. But now if you token it, tokenize it into smaller bits and pieces, you can leverage yourself more and more and more. And they're saying there'll be these things called smart contracts, right? But the smart contracts are going to be on a programmable platform. And that's what I'm trying to say is when you said, I said, you might want to sell your house. But if it's tokenized on their programmable platform with rules saying, Paul's social credit score is below 300, he's not allowed to do any of this. Even if you have assets, you won't be able to do anything. With yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, hopefully people are getting a picture of how they seem to control it. And yes, they want to take us to a global CBDC. So it doesn't matter if your property is in New Zealand or India or Europe, you'll be like a global citizen with assets all over the world. And you can, and they'll just say, it's just to make it easy because uh, there's no ethics risk now if there's only one global CBDC. But most people don't even understand what, what happened in Europe with uh, them launching the euro. It's okay to launch a one currency for different governments, but different governments have different credit ratings. And that's why the euros never worked. And with these currency collapses, I think we'll start seeing Europe and Japan currencies seeing some issues without going into too much macroeconomic uh, detail on this because I'll lose some of the listeners. Right. Um, but just understanding what's happening with the CBDC. And of course, they link this to your global ID, remember? Because you will have a global ID and your tax will be linked into it. Your assets will be linked into it. Your CBDC will be linked into it. And so will be your health records linked into it. So if you're not taking a vaccine, maybe, or injection, let's call it, Paul, they could just program that your Naughty CBDC boy. shuts off at a certain date. Yeah. And you yeah. can't use your own money. Oh, dear. And then there'll be a little thing under the skin or on the forehead. <laughs> and then, could be. This then is we're really weird. getting into some weird territory. But this okay. is, and that's why I said banks should be careful because they'll eventually want to get rid of banks, right? Because yeah. it's a central bank digital currency. So first, you don't need banks. The next level, you don't need they, other they, banks. They need banks maybe just to run the smart contracts. So where do you go to si sign these smart contracts? So where, what do you do? Or you just put your fingerprint and agree to a contract now. Now nowadays, again, something connecting the dots for people to start thinking through. We just give our biometric data to the likes of Samsungs and Apples right now because we just want everything is convenience. Remember? Yeah. So everything when sold. When smartphones started coming in, people just put a fingerprint because they don't want to enter a six-digit pin to enter their phone ten times a day. So now they already have your fingerprint. How do you know you actually signed that smart contract yourself? Or did they use your fingerprint from something else? And now you'll be like, I did not sell my property in Wellington to anyone. But they'll be like, look, there's your fingerprint there. You agreed Sorry. to this on this date. Yeah. Sorry, you sold it already. What are you going to do? Oh, Who are you going to yeah. argue with, especially if it's a global authority? Let's say, for example, 
I have a disagreement with the Auckland City Council or you with the Wellington City Council. There's a head office that you could go to make a complaint and logic complaint in this global superpower thing that they're trying to take us to. Where are you going to go, Paul, to complain? If there's no enemy or there's no authority, how are you going to, who are you going to put your complaint against? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you dial it's the number and no one tomorrow. answers. No but the Israeli answers. thing is a good example, right? Even yeah. the military and stuff are starting to stand back. So this is what I said. They, they will try stuff and they will say in a democracy, the military or the police force has to listen to the government. But there's police out there, there's military out there who understand that the, 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 the powers that be are not taking us in the right direction. And it doesn't make any sense if we're purposely trying to start wars. And at some stage, these military guys, these police guys, whoever these people are, they also have families. They can see where this is going. And hopefully they will turn humanity. They will turn against the powers that be and say, no, this is not what we want for our kids. And it's this is where I have hope for humanity. It's our last hope, Farzan. Well, it is. <laughs> Come on, guys. Um, uh, make use of your taxpayer-funded uh, military. Um, for well, we the don't have much. Right? I don't think New Zealand has much. Of well, I don't think they're very fit either. <laughs> you know. All right, Farzan, that's been yeah, another yeah. really interesting chat. Let's um, let's talk more about um, oh, what we're going to range in on again. Uh, you mentioned it next week. I just... We could we could just talk, yeah. I, I think a little bit more for global perspective, what's happening yeah. outside that could affect us. Um, I was reading something about Evergrande and what's happening in China. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Properties and That's stuff an as well. One. Yeah, but but stuff like that and how CBDCs and the global perspective, so we understand that because New Zealand's quite small, it'll just get swept away with what's happening in the uh, yeah. global sphere, so to speak. Okay, Money Talks, Farzan Arani, good to chat again, and uh, we'll do it again next Thursday, okay? Yeah, thanks, Paul. Cheers, mate. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.